Good morning, church. It is great to be with you today. I do hope that some of you will uh, avail yourself of the opportunity and go upstairs for our 11 o'clock hour of worship so that you can hear a sermon from Dr. John Roseman. I suspect most of you know about Dr. Roseman. He is syndicated in over 200, over 200 newspapers. But what I, what I want you to know about Dr. Roseman is this. He uh, seeks to live as a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And uh, he's allowed his faith in Jesus Christ to um, form and reform and to continue to form everything that he says, everything that he teaches about the raising, the rearing of children. Uh, the Bible is an authority, the authority for him. And as a result of that, you may or may not know, John has borne some scars um, from his colleagues in that psychological world because of some of his convictions uh, that flow out of the scripture. And uh, that's why I'm thrilled to have him here this morning to bring the sermon at the 11 o'clock hour. We're so blessed here at Wesley Memorial. We get to worship in a variety of ways, and I love every way that we get to worship. Here at 945 is a rather modern style of worship. In the sanctuary, it's a, it's a very historic style of worship. If you've never experienced that, uh, this may be your morning to do that and to hear a sermon from Dr. Roseman. I do hope that you'll get people in this place this afternoon to uh, learn from John. I, I'm convinced. I'm convinced that when we appear before Jesus Christ one day um, and Jesus reviews our faith walk or judges our faith walk, judges what we have done with the salvation that he's given us here in this world, I, I'm convinced that one of the things Jesus will be looking for is scars. He's going to look for some scars in our lives, on our souls, on our spirits. And if he, if he doesn't find some scars, he, he may look at us and say, was there nothing worth fighting for in this world? Uh, John has borne some scars. He is bearing some scars because of uh, the way that he is convinced that uh, the, the best book ever written, ever presented to the human race on the raising of children's the Bible. And I invite you, I encourage you to perhaps listen to him uh, during the 11 o'clock hour. We are looking at a text this morning that's going to help elevate in our minds, I hope, what our reason is for and how we use reason. I invite you to turn in your Bibles or your mobile devices to Romans chapter 12. This is a text that has been so important in the Christian community. The book of Romans in many ways has spurred time and again movements of reformation and revival among Christians. And I know that for me personally, this, this text, Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2, are two verses that are always echoing in my ear. They are always ringing in my spirit. And in so many ways, these two verses I've, I've taken as some of the preeminent verses in the scripture that I believe God wants me to use in the directing of my life and the directing of my ministry. And I commend them to you for your lives. So uh, we are in this sermon series where we're talking about how we, how we know the mind of God. 
we're going back to basics and asking, how do we as Christians make decisions? I've said a few times in the last few weeks that according to at least one study that I've seen, the average adult, I don't know who that is, but the average adult makes 35,000 decisions a day. Big decisions, seemingly minor decisions, but those decisions add up to be our life. We need to pay attention about the decisions we're making. We need to do the best job we can of discerning our way through life, making the decisions, making the choices that we make as Christian people. And we've not been left to our own devices. We know and we keep returning to it as we've delivered this sermon series that first and foremost, and in a very primary way, Scripture is the way we know God's will for our lives. Scripture is the way we know what it is that God wishes for us. It is Scripture that, that helps us to know what it is that God requires of us, which is why we need to be saturating our minds, our spirits, our lives in Scripture. So we've been talking about Scripture, but there are tools that we use when we, when we work with Scripture. We've talked a little bit about the, the wisdom of, of those who have gone before us, the, the best of Christian traditions that helps us to interpret Scripture. Today we're, we're talking about reason. And usually when we think about reason, we think about our intellect. We think about our mind. But our reason, as we have it, the reason that we bring with us into this world is not anywhere close to being adequate for what we need to discern our way through lives. So here we are still talking about how we have tools that God can help us to make the decisions. Look at Romans 12. Let's look closely at the text. Romans 12 verse 1, Paul says, I appeal to you. He's at the height of his preaching right here. This translation says appeal. Some translations say I urge. Some translations say, I beg or I beseech you. So he's, he's, he wants us really to pick up what he's laying down in these words that follow. I appeal to you, therefore, and every time, of course, we find a therefore in the Bible, we should always ask what it is, is it therefore? Therefore, therefore always points back to what he's been saying up to this point. And what he says right here does point back to everything that he's been sharing in the book of Romans. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God. For 11 chapters in the book of Romans, Paul has been talking about the mercies of God. All of those mercies that God has showered on us in Jesus Christ. You begin reading the book of Romans, you see our great, great need as human beings for redemption, for deliverance, for transformation. And then, beginning in chapter 3, you begin to see the great, great provision, the great gift that's ours in Jesus Christ to make sure that we can become those people that God is calling us to become. So here in the beginning of verse 1, he's calling your mind back to everything he said. Thus far, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, because of the mercies of God, in light of all these mercies of God that are fresh, that are new every morning, that we should do something very specific. We need to present your bodies as a living 
sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So he's saying in light of all that God has done for us in Jesus Christ, we need to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. What motivates me in the living of my life is I want to really more than anything else continue to present my life as a living sacrifice to God through Jesus Christ. Notice he says to present your bodies. Now, when Paul says bodies, he doesn't just mean our physical life. Uh, the Jewish mindset is a little different from our mindset in the West. The Jewish mindset doesn't like to divide up the human being. Uh, we sort of like to divide up the human being into body and spirit and soul and mind and emotions. But in the Jewish way of thinking, and Paul was a Jew, in the Jewish way of thinking, we are, we are a unit, so when he says present your bodies as a living sacrifice, we know because we know how the word bodies is used in Paul's letters, letters we know that by presenting your bodies, he's, offering, he's asking you to offer your whole selves, everything that you are, everything that you are, what we would call body, mind, spirit, soul, emotions, whatever, offer everything that you are to him as a living sacrifice. I'm so grateful that um, in this covenant, in this age, because of the work of Jesus Christ, I don't have to come together with the people of God on Sunday mornings and offer on our altars the slaughter of a bull or a lamb or a goat. For so many reasons, I'm grateful for that. <laughs> but never lose sight that something has replaced that. We're not called to do that. What we're called to offer, Sunday by Sunday, day by day, moment by moment, is we offer ourselves now as, as, the, as the sacrifice, as the offering. We offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. That means all that we are. We cannot just have a, a religious department of our life that we try to give to Jesus Christ. We cannot just separate that which is spiritual from whatever else we decide is out there. We have to offer our whole beings, everything we are, to him as a living sacrifice. And notice, this fascinates me, and this gets us at what Paul wants us to understand about how we use our minds and what needs to happen to our minds in order to discern our way through life. He says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is holy. This is acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. If you have a Bible in front of you, you you'll notice probably, depending on the translation, you'll notice that beside the word spiritual, there's a little letter, a little letter that takes your attention down to the bottom of the page. And when your attention goes to the bottom of the page, you see that that word spiritual can also be translated reasonable, as it is in some translations. Actually, the Greek obviously says logical. So this presenting of yourselves to God as a living sacrifice is the most logical thing that we can do. In light of all that God has done, the most logical, reasonable thing we can do is become living sacrifices. So Paul begins with this word to turn toward the mind, turn toward the inner person. 
And he says that, verse 2, do not be conformed to this world. And if you could see the Greek word there for conformed, you would see a word that, and you, would, you could tell it if you looked at the Greek. It's a word from which we get the English word schematics or schemes. He's saying don't be, don't be taken in by the schemes of this world. And you know this world can be age. Don't be taken in by the schemes of this world, this age, the systems of this world. Don't be, don't be taken in by these. Don't be conformed to these. But usually in the Bible when you run across a but, you see something tremendous afterwards. But, because what usually the Bible is saying is here's the situation, but God has done something about it. He says, but... Be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And again, it's like body means really all that we are. What, what the Hebrew mindset means by minds is all of that which is our inner person. We can be transformed by the renewing of our minds, the, the renewing of our inner person, so that then we can discern. Then we can discern the will of God. But for us to discern the will of God, we've got to take our minds, our inner person, that includes our thought life, and we've got to allow them to be renewed by God. You know, we don't come out of the mother's womb fully formed. We come out of the mother's womb in need of transformation, and we spend our life participating in that transformation that God, through Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, brings to us. And that is an inner transformation that bears witness to our, our outer lives. That's why the people around us can tell if we're in the process of being transformed inwardly. We have to be renewed by our minds. Now, now we, we know from the Scriptures what it takes to renew a mind. We have to let go of what Paul calls our carnal mind, our natural mind, the ways that we just tend to think because of who we are, the ways we tend to think because of the fact we're in this world and we absorb so much from this world by osmosis. We are all cap captured to some extent by the age in which we live and our, our task is to try to move away from being captured by the age in which we live. And the mind has to be renewed. Well, we know that the way we renew our minds is by allowing the Word to renew our minds. Jesus, of course, is the living Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the living Word. But the primary way we experience the living Word now, in this age, is through the written Word. We've got to saturate our minds with the written word. Life is all about who it is, what it is we love, who it is, what it is we center our lives upon. Who or what is the organizing principle in our life? Something's motivating us. Something is forming us, someone, something is motivating us and forming us, propelling us into life and causing us to live the way that we live. But Paul here says that we can be renewed by the renewing of our minds. That's something that God does through the power of the Spirit through his word. 
I hope for each one of us that we are allowing our minds to be renewed, our inner person to be renewed, renewed, because we're allowing God to saturate our lives with the Word. Capital W, Living Word, Jesus, or, or even the Word as it is presented to us in written form, that we are saturating our lives in the Word so that our minds can be renewed, so that our reason can be sanctified. Reason is not very helpful. The intellect is not very helpful. Great gift from God, but not very helpful. It takes a sanctified intellect, sanctified reason. It takes an intellect, a mind that's in the process of being renewed by the Holy Spirit. Paul says elsewhere that we should take on the mind of Christ. That's one of the gifts that the Spirit offers to us. It's not. It's the mind of Christ. Now, in order for us to take on the mind of Christ and to begin thinking the thoughts of Christ after Christ, we've got to, again, saturate ourselves with the Word of Christ. hope all of you are beginning to pay attention to all of the, all of the opportunities we'll have this fall to find ways to saturate our lives in the Word of God. Disciple 1 an introduction to the Bible, grief share, using scripture to help people make their way through the process of grief, divorce care, using scripture to help people find recovery from, from divorce. Pastor Clark and I will be doing Bible studies. I hope that you'll find ways to saturate your lives with the word. You know, I, I'm concerned that for some Christians, they saturate their lives more with MSNBC and Fox News than they do the Word. They saturate their lives more by the systems of the world around us, the entertainment and the leisure of the world around us, than they allow their lives to be saturated by the Word. But we can take on the mind of Christ, Paul says, as we saturate ourselves with the Word of Christ. We can take on the mind of Christ, and that will have... Tremendous is an understatement. That will have a tremendous impact on the way we think and on the way we live. And the way we live is based upon the way we think. The New Testament's clear on that. That's why Paul always offers you first theology, and then he offers you practical application. What Paul is doing here in chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, is he's turning to the practical application of all that he said up to this point about the mercies of God. He's doing practical application. I hope that you're putting yourself as frequently as you can in those places where Jesus happens. I'm so grateful that our congregation is a place where Jesus happens, where lives are being transformed every day. And because of that, we're busy transforming the world around us every day. So in closing, let me just offer you two things. Let me appeal to you, as Paul would say. Let me appeal to you that you turn your lives over to the God who will delight in changing you. But to do that, you've got to believe that transformation is a possibility. I think a lot of people in our culture just feel like they're on the treadmill and they'll never have anything except being right there on that treadmill. Transformation is a possibility. That's the glory of the gospel. Transformation is a possibility.
you know, sometimes I hear people um, evidence that they have a mindset that believes transformation is not possible. They'll say stuff like, um, well, that's just who I am. Well, that doesn't have to be who you are. Sometimes I hear people say something. I'm not usually cool enough to say it this way, but sometimes I hear people say, well, that's the way I roll. (laughs) And I always want to say, well, you can roll a different way in a different direction. (laughs) But for a lot of people, they don't understand that transformation is a possibility. God wants to enrich our lives in ways far beyond our imagination. We've got to do something about our mindset. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 talks about strongholds in our minds. Strongholds are those mindsets, those thought patterns that make us behave the way we behave and they, they may have nothing to do with Jesus Christ. Your grandmother might have told you something and that's just become a stronghold here and and it's a prejudice. You know what a prejudice is? It's when you judge something before you evaluate it and you just hold on to that conviction without ever evaluating it. That's prejudice. We have strongholds, as Paul says, mindsets. We have have prejudices that are ingrained in our brain. Uh, My father... um, who was not a deep theologian, but in, in a lot of ways he was a deep theologian. He used to talk about how we, he was from the mountains of western North Carolina, he would talk about how we get, how we get notions in our minds. You ever heard the old folks talk about notions? You get a notion in your head and you just can't get it out. You just are being compelled and propelled by that notion. That's a mindset, that's a prejudice, that's a thought pattern. That's one of those strongholds that Jesus Christ wants to pull down in our lives. You know, um, sometimes we believe lies. We've got to believe that transformation is a possibility. We've got to also believe that we should every day commit to the truth. Some people allow the lies that they've received to determine how they live. You know, some people have received the lie that you know, I'm, I'm so weak, I can't do anything for Jesus Christ. Well, that's a half-truth, I guess. We are weak, but in him, his power can be made real through us. And we can do far more than we could ever dream or imagine for Jesus Christ. So if you think you're, you're just not the person that God can use to do God's work in the world, that's a stronghold that, that you need to allow Jesus Christ to pull down. Just like saying, this is just who I am. Just like saying, this is the way I roll. Just like saying, this is all I can give to Jesus Christ. He needs to call somebody else because I'm not the kind of person that can do something dramatic for the cause of Jesus Christ. Jesus has something for each one of us to do in ministry. And don't ever think, because it's a stronghold, it's a notion, don't ever think that God in Christ cannot use you. Remember, it was God who took the barren womb of Sarah and brought forth a people. It was God who took the, the stammering tongue of Moses and led those people out of bondage and gave us the law of Moses, that part of the word of God. Don't ever... Don't ever diminish the power and presence of God in your life by thinking you're just diminishing yourself. 
Sometimes we say things out of a false sense of humility. And what we're really doing is we're casting aspersions on God. Don't limit what God can do in your life. Believe that transformation is a possibility. And then commit to the truth. Again, saturate your mind in the word of God so that you can begin thinking God's thoughts after God. You can begin thinking the thoughts of Jesus Christ as you take on the mind of Christ. And then watch what God can do in your life. That has to happen for you to more and more and more every day live as a living sacrifice to God. This life of faithfulness to Christ, it does begin in a crisis moment when we have to say, God, we are tired of ruling and reigning in our lives. We want you to come in and be Lord of every area of our life, not just Lord of the religious department, but Lord of every area of our life. That's the crisis moment when you invite Jesus Christ in on his terms to do what he wants to do in your life. But from that point on, God, through the power of the Spirit, will be at work changing. He's always working, as we sang a few moments ago, at work changing you into that person that God needs us to be here in this world. May I pray with you? God, for the gift of this day, we, we give you thanks. For this shared time, we give you thanks. We thank you that you are among us and the living Christ walks here in our midst. We pray that we will hear him in these moments. May we be very sensitive and tender to the work of your spirit here among us. And God, may we give all of our lives, even the way we think, to you. And then use all of us, all of us for your glory. Lord, we invite you into our lives. We give you every area of our heart. There's no chamber of our heart that we want to be off limits to you. Come and rule and reign in our lives so that we can know the full joy of living as your people. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.